Blog Talk Radio. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an, see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. They ain't going to be in there. But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't, blacks don't have any businesses and industries. There's a direct link. Blacks won't practice group economics. Blacks won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourselves up. I told that five-story building, you set yourself to get wiped out. Understand the nature of race, which is economic. If you if you build the first floor, it's economic. Build your businesses and your industries. Control buildings and industry, and put that pools in your money, and hold that money, and it's like, and practice group economics <clears throat> with it. Arab and Asian money bounces twelve or thirteen times for at least. Jewish money bounces eighteen times. Black folk got to learn how to practice group economics. Black Americans spend every penny they get outside their own community. Then you take the money and the wealth that you get from that first floor and go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. You then take that money on the first floor and you control your politics. Black folk must quit allowing people to tell them to go out and vote. Vote for what? Nobody's going to do anything for black folk in politics. Politics is controlled by money. Major corporations who got the money. That's what controls politics. If you have no money, you have no say-so, you have no benefits coming. So you take your money and you control and you take your money on the first floor, you buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician you can't buy, you rent or lease them to get what you need. Then once you get the second floor under control with the politician, with your money, then you go to the third floor. The third floor is then is the police department and the court system. You take your money from the first floor and your politics on the second floor and you control the court system and the police department. Then the fourth floor, you t- the fourth floor then is media. You then take the money that you generate off the first floor from business and industries and you go after radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, and cable systems so that you can now inform and communicate with your own people. Right now, <clears throat> black folk only control less than 35,000 of 1% of the media in the United States. Out of 12,000 radio stations, black folk own about something like about 75 or 80. That's all. You own no cable systems. You don't have a daily newspaper. You have nothing of importance. You, don't, you got about one black TV station. And you, so you can't communicate with your people. You can't inform your people. You can't do anything. You can have Rush Limbaugh and all the rest of the guys talking about racism all day long and bad-mouthing you and O'Reilly. They can talk, call black folk all kind of names all day long. What are you going to do? You can't respond. You can't communicate with your own people because you, you don't have an economic base. 51% of all the prisons in the United States are black people. You know, even though you only make up 12% of the population. That's no accident. It's because you don't control the economics and the politics. And they're going to go after the weakest people they can get their hands on to incarcerate them. That's the black folk. And what are you going to do in response to them when they, when they, over, when they, when they over incarcerate you? You're going to go out and have a march, a demonstration. We're going to march. March for what? Who cares? Marches they never changed anything. Say, have you heard the story of a little colored town way over in the nation on such lovely sloping ground? With as pretty little houses as you ever chanced to meet, with not a thing but colored folks a-standing in the streets. Oh, tis a pretty country, and the Negroes own it, too, with not a single white man here to tell us what to do. Bowl is a historical black town, starting with the uh, slaves of the Indians, the Creek Freedmen, uh, who were all black. And this area was settled by blacks, and it was predominantly black 
Boley was named after the white man. Non-black J.B. Boley was an official of the Fort Smith and Western Railroad that ran through the town site. That's what started the town was the fact that the railroad came through here. And the old steam engines had to have water every six miles. And when it left Castle, six miles to the east of us, the next stop would have been six miles. The people that worked the railroad thought, well, can black folks govern themselves? The black towns of Oklahoma grew out of necessity. After the Civil War, former slaves belonging to the five civilized tribes settled together for mutual protection and economic security. Really, the town was really built up of the backbone of the farmers. Bowling was supported by an agricultural economy. The cash crop around Bowling was cotton, uh, and you had uh, farming was a big thing. Uh, uh, we had families with 10, 11, 12 kids to help raise the crops. This new township of Boley was formally declared on September 22, 1904, by way of an approved application granted to the 200 citizens of Boley, Indian Territory. Boley is a, was kind of the, the, the seat of the black community. Boley once boasted of having almost everything any other big town has. In the years 1905 and 1906, People came to Bowley by the train loads. In some instances, eight and ten families would alight from the same train. Luggage would fill the depot platform and would be piled six and seven feet high. We have a Bowley Chamber of Commerce that put on a rodeo each year, and that rodeo brings in upwards of 50,000 people on any one given weekend. The first rodeo we had was back in, in the 30s. So we are the biggest black rodeo in the United States. Now, there are black rodeos in Oklahoma City, Houston, and L.A. and everything, but see, it's not a black town. You know, it's a black rodeo, but it's not a black town. We're the biggest black town rodeo in the United States. Bowley was uh, quite a thriving community when I was growing up. The streets were full, and every lot had a business on it at that time. You couldn't tell Saturday from Monday. There's just as many people on the streets on the Saturday as it was on a Monday, every day like that. I just can't believe it. When the bottom fell out of cotton, then people had to seek another source of income. And many of the farmers had to leave the farms to go to the, to the big towns to make a living. World War II, a lot of the people migrated to the East Coast, West Coast, uh, the war effort plants uh, in Chicago and Detroit, and they went away. Bowling never did recover from that. The population went as high as they thought, somewhere around 7,000 people between 1910 and 1940. The population now is approximately 500 people. Oh, woman, it ain't none of my business. And I will tell that fellow who The city of Taft began as an all-black town allotted to freedmen of the Creek Nation. Taft grew and prospered, boasting a population of 690 in the 1930s, but it has dropped to under 400 residents today. 
That doesn't keep the mayor of Taft, the first African-American woman elected mayor of a city in the United States, from working to bring the town back. Right now, I would say the population has dropped to around 300 and something, maybe 340, maybe somewhere like that. Now, I can remember going to the five stores that we had in Taft. I can remember the cotton gin. I used to see my mother them. You know, I picked cotton, but I didn't have to pick cotton because I was the baby. But I can remember my mother and father driving to the uh, cotton gin in the wagon, you know, and we'd be laying on the cotton, going to weigh the cotton. I, it's, you know, it's just like it's, it's as if it happened yesterday. So I can remember those days. We had four grocery stores. We had the post office. We still have a post office, but we had a solid post office. We just had one now just in a, a portable mobile home uh, trailer. We had a drugstore. We had a doctor's office. I can remember that. I can remember going to that drugstore and sitting up on top of the, sitting on the, uh, at the counter because they had a, a real wide mirror in the back and you could order a dip of ice cream for a nickel. And a nickel was hard to get. A nickel was really hard to get, you know. A vibrant town to uh, a sad town because it does sadden my heart that I don't see the sidewalks and I don't see the houses and I don't see the stores and the business and you know but I I feel strongly that you know you may give out, but don't give up. I think the future still holds a gold mine for town. That's my belief.